You're listening to Ghoul's Hollow, Memoirs of a P.I. Listener discretion is advised. The sound of my phone vibrating woke me up. I'd fallen asleep, sprawled out on the murder bed, my laptop now powered off in front of me, a few digital recorders to my side, and the picture. I listened for the buzzing again and finally located my phone under the picture itself, its vibrations muffled between the wood frame and the fluffy duvet. I picked up the picture and looked at it again. I'd spent what felt like hours scanning the faces and trying to see if anything stood out. Nothing did. At least not yet, anyway. I sighed and picked up my phone, wanting to get a picture of the couple from my own records, as it didn't feel right to steal the actual photo from the inn, even if it was just temporary. My phone buzzed again. I had several unread texts from Ada. Well, 23. I scrolled through them, all of them being coffee emojis and random punctuation marks. I had several new questions and only a few people I could ask, so I had to go into town today anyway. I looked down. I was still wearing pajamas and a housecoat, my hair in a tangled mess. I tried running my fingers through the tangles, but got caught on my night guard, which had somehow been wrapped up in whatever was going on. I stuffed the picture into my bag, deciding to take it with me after all. Just for today, I told myself, knowing deep down that that was probably a lie. I picked up my hairbrush and responded to Ada. I'll be by later today. I pulled up to Jessica's and got out, the open sign flickering away. As I opened the front door, the familiar scent of English breakfast tea wafted out from the sitting room. Oh, Diana, what a lovely surprise. Jessica was seated on the sofa, her laptop in front of her and newspaper clippings covering every available surface. She gestured in an empty banker's box on the floor. I was just trying to scan this one small box, and it seemed there were more clippings in there than I originally anticipated. I glanced down at a couple of the articles. The papers they were printed on varied in different stages of yellowing age. Some had pictures, some didn't. What are they from? I asked, genuinely curious. Jessica grabbed the lid of the box. Uh... 1925 to 1950? I guess I should try to start being more specific when I'm filing in the future. hmm? Sometimes I cut out articles meaning to organize them later and then they just end up in a massive pile. This is probably one of 15 boxes I have downstairs. At least I can sort them since I have nothing but time, right? She sighed, putting the box lid down. Anyway, I'm sure you came here for something other than random old news articles, so what's up? She pushed a cup of tea towards me and gestured for me to sit down. I cleared a space and sat, stacking any displaced clippings into a neat little pile. Yes, I did. I promise one day I'll visit with no ulterior motive, but today... I pulled the wedding photo out of my bag and handed it over to Jessica, watching her for any reaction. Nothing. 
I waited as she examined it, and then finally a glimmer of recognition crossed her face. Ah, yes, I remember this. It was the first wedding at the old Hawkins place. The inn. And it was the first and only wedding for a long time, from what I recall. This picture's the only happy memory from a tragedy. You always bring me tragedies. She looked over at me, one eyebrow raised. I laughed. Well, in my line of work, happy tales are few and far between, I'm afraid. She nodded. Fair enough. How can I help? Dallas asked me to help him with a potential haunted room at the Hawkins Inn, and the room definitely had something terrible happen. I'm trying to find out what happened so I can try and help these folks move on. I leaned forward and tapped the picture, pointing to the bride and groom. These two seem to be involved in whatever's going on in there. Can you tell me anything about them? Jessica sighed again. I'll tell you what I know. The bride was Ethel Pierce, maiden name. The groom was Frank Humphrey. Jessica leaned towards the picture and pointed towards a face from the background. The gentleman was barely noticeable. Just a dark suit with an unimpressive mustache. That man there was Rigby Little. Ugh, he was horrid. Rumors around town were that he was in love with Ethel. The feeling was not mutual, but she felt some level of caring for him as he was invited to the wedding. I don't think anybody expected him to show up, but he did. From what I remember of the wedding, he left early without even saying goodbye or congratulating the couple. Ethel and Frank stayed at the inn for their honeymoon. No one saw them much after the first day or two. When it was time to check out, they never did. Jessica shrugged, pushing the picture back to me. I picked it up and looked closely at Rigby's face. He just looked so... mediocre. Who were the Littles? I don't recall knowing anybody from the family. Jessica ran her fingers along the edge of the coffee table. They were descended from the original furniture makers we had here in Ghoul's Hollow. That family created beautiful and unique pieces for centuries. This table was one of them. Rigby was the last little, and he vanished right after the wedding. He just seemed to melt into the darkness of this little town and never returned. Good riddance, I say. She took a sip of her tea and stared at the table for a moment, seemingly lost in her own thoughts. When you say the couple never checked out, what did you mean by that? She shook her head and looked up at me. Oh, they also vanished. The inn staff went to check on them when they hadn't checked out and the room was empty. There were some personal effects left behind, but nothing valuable and no clues as to where they went. Some people think Ethel and Rigby killed Frank and ran off together, but that's just ridiculous. I think Rigby did it. I looked at her. Did what? I don't really know, but whatever happened in that room, Rigby had to have been part of it. After that, the inn struggled for a while and then eventually closed down, keeping its secret hidden. I guess until now. If anyone could solve it, I'm sure it's you. I laughed and reached for my tea. Well, I'm going to do my best. Jessica smiled and took another sip and asked me, What have you learned from Bonnie? I was confused. Bonnie? Why would I ask Bonnie about this? Jessica stopped and stared. Really? Ethel was Bonnie's sister. I stayed with Jessica for another hour or so before heading back to town. 
I was going to swing by Ada slash Anna's, but wanted to grab some coffee first. The last attempt had failed, but maybe Ada just hated dark roast. I went into the coffee shop and placed my order with Kevin, who was the barista that day. I ordered the usual for me and a latte for Ada, wondering if she needed a little less of a bold flavor. I had no idea if coffee was a thing in the 1700s or how strong it was, so dark roast may have just been a poor choice. As I left, a beat-up RV pulled over and Charles rolled down the window. Diana. I waited, and there was no follow-up. Okay. Uh, hi Charles, what's up? You drink that crap? That place has the worst coffee I've ever had. I glanced down at my cup, tentatively taking a sip. Oh, tastes fine to me. His eyes narrowed. You can't taste the acid, the darkness in it. I took another small sip, holding the coffee in my mouth for a few moments before swallowing. It still tasted amazing to me. No, I started, but he cut me off. You will. With that, he rolled his window back up and drove off, leaving me in the dust. What the hell was that? I was determined to figure out what was going on with Charles, but that would have to wait for now. I watched him disappear down the road before continuing to my own car. I pulled up to Ada slash Anna's and got the coffees out, heading towards the front door, which was wide open. Hello? Ada? I called into the house with nothing but silence in response. Ada, it's Diana. I'm coming in. Silence. I put the coffees down on the front bench and slowly made my way into the living room. Ada? Nothing. I leaned into the kitchen, trying to see if there was any movement anywhere, and just as I took a step forward, I heard the floorboards creak behind me. I spun around, ready to confront a very tired-looking Ada. Oh, Diana. Hello. She shrugged and turned around, walking back into the living room. Hey, Ada, how are you, uh, what's going on? She looked over her shoulder at me and sighed. I was expecting somebody else, that's all. That was definitely not what I was expecting. She's a ghost from several centuries ago, possessing somebody else's body, and she was expecting company? Oh, sorry to disappoint. Who were you expecting? Ada sat down, exhaustion washing over her face. Chester Copperpot. She said it in such a matter-of-fact tone, my immediate laugh was cut short by her face. I'm sorry, Ada. Who? Chester Bruce Campbell Copperpot. I received a parcel for him by mistake, it seems. She waved her hand towards a small white paper bag at the end of the coffee table. I picked it up and took a quick glance inside. There were two orange prescription pill bottles and a receipt with the name Chester Bruce Campbell Copperpot written on it. Weird. Oh, uh, well, how about I bring this back to the pharmacy for you and then they can return it to the, uh, correct person? I got no response. I looked up at Ada and she was staring behind me, a look of concern on her face. I turned, but there was nothing behind me except the painting of her and Anderson and several tubes of paint scattered across the floor in front of it. I repeated my offer again and finally Ada nodded. Yes, that would be acceptable. Thank you. I went to the front entrance and grabbed the coffees and came back, handing one over to Ada. She accepted it without even pausing and took a sip. Oh, 
What is this? It's coffee. Well, a latte. She smiled and took another sip. Amazing. This is much more tolerable than whatever you brought the other day. Thank you. I let Ada enjoy the latte while I walked over to the window and looked out into the yard. Chester Copperpot. Why would that name be on anything? And Bruce Campbell? Back when we were kids, Anne and I had seen Evil Dead and Army of Darkness dozens of times. It was the 90s. What kid hadn't had the fantastic, life-changing experience that was Bruce Campbell? But Chester Copperpot? The missing treasure hunter from the Goonies? I had a feeling that these pills hadn't been delivered to the wrong address, but were supposed to not be linked to Anna. Was this some kind of clue from her? Or about her? Or was it a red herring? I turned back to the couch and Ada had fallen asleep, softly snoring with the latte held loosely in her hand. I quietly took the latte and placed it on the table, covering her with a blanket and picked up the prescription bag before shuffling out the door praying I wouldn't somehow trip over my own feet and topple into a pile of antiques. I didn't. Thank God. As I got to my car, I pulled out one of the bottles and read the label. Chester Bruce Campbell Copperpot. Take one pill nightly at bedtime. Clozapine. I stopped and put the bottle down. Clozapine? Anna was taking clozapine? This wild ride was about to get even wilder. I had no doubts. Thank you for listening. Our custom sound was created by Kevin Ross. Our custom artwork and sound editing was done by Michael Pivas. If you'd like to reach me, please email me at ghoulshollow at gmail.com or you can find me on Facebook at ghoulshollow the podcast.